This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to A Week in the News and this week's Budget Breakdown Edition. I'm your host, Chris Scott, and I'm joined by Mike Kelly, our agenda writer, and Kate Proctor, our local government reporter. As you can imagine, what we're going to be focusing on today is George Osborne's final budget before the general election, how it affects the North East, and where it positions each party going into this summer's vote. Now, Mike, in front of me, I have the journal from Page from last Thursday, the day after the budget, which simply reads, What about the North East? People in the region don't seem to be too happy and feel neglected by the Chancellor. Why is that? Well, very little seemed to be mentioned of the North East. It was, in fact, conspicuous by its absence. While plans for down south were detailed at great length and there was much cheering behind George Osborne when he outlined them, there seemed very few mentions of the North East at all. It just seemed we were, again, feeding crumbs off the rich man's table. There were little things which generally everyone received from beer duty going down, which is nice, uh, one pence a pint, I'm sure we'll all enjoy that side. A tuppence a pint, I'm a fan of cider, so I was secretly glad about that. But the big projects seem to be concentrating down south. It left a lot of questions to be answered, like how we are going to recover from the austerity that we have been enduring for the last five years. He actually seemed to pointedly ignore the North. It, the North wasn't the only thing he ignored, it was the NHS. So it seemed like the North East has been bracketed in with the uh, the NHS of the, the policies you shouldn't speak about. So that's why the concerns were there, because he seemed to have no plans for the North at all. And coming up to election, you'd have thought he would have come up with something just as a sop to the public, so that's very concerning. There seemed to be a lot of nodding, as you said, Mike, um, behind him, the Conservatives seem very happy with the speech. Uh, Kate, from a right-wing perspective, from a Conservative Tory perspective, why did they seem so happy? I think they'll be really happy with George Osborne's personal performance because really policy is obviously very important but I think for voters it kind of you know within a few days it's almost forgotten about and what they will remember is the feeling and the performance at the time and I think the whole point of that budget like any budget before a general election is to show that you're in control you're the person who has the budget in safe hands the country's economy is in safe hands and I think in terms of performance he did an excellent job actually and I think you know he's peacocking basically for potential voters this summer of course and I think it was that authoritative kind of tone that he took and I think for lots of people that that would have been convincing right um, so let's get into the you know the nitty-gritty of it um, first of all the northern powerhouse seems to be the thing that everybody took from it um, there's a hilarious hashtag on Twitter where people were making all these jokes about actually we do have water up here in the north we do have electricity and the northern powerhouse seemed to me to be the Leeds Manchester powerhouse. Uh, why is there no devolution for the North East and other areas of the country, Kate? I think it's fair to say that the budget focused on the North, but its concept of the North doesn't include the North East. And we did have a little bit, there was a few nods there. There was some money for uh, the chemical industry and tea side. Um, there was, you know, aside from that, 
um, Gateshead got some investment for a new housing project. But when you talk about the northern powerhouse, I think we up here think that it doesn't really include the northeast. And other parts of the country have had um, successful devolution deals. Manchester has been given an incredible sort of raft of powers. Um, Sheffield as well. And then during the budget, we heard that Yorkshire's combined authority has also been given... Um, uh, so it's, its own devolution deal. The North East, I think the criticism would be that um, our combined authority, first of all, hasn't asked for anything yet. We haven't actually got a devolution package together. We haven't asked the government what we'd like. But also there is criticism that the leadership within the North East is not, they're not all singing from the same hymn sheet. And I think at the moment, perhaps the North East doesn't create the same like harmonious picture that other areas have. Yeah, well, that's a good point. I mean, I suspect the northeast leaders are so downtrodden they think why ask when you're not going to get perhaps they're waiting for may to come along they're waiting for a, a change of government so perhaps their pleas will be heard more they'll be heard more there so perhaps that's what they're waiting for i think the northeast has lagged behind in what it requests from the government i think the, the northwest Manchester, they seem to be the golden boys of Britain at the moment, and they seem to be getting whatever they want. Uh, it is a problem for the North East. I mean, even small mentions for what the North East required, uh, there was suggestions that the air passenger duty tax might be uh, amended. Uh, it sounds a small point, but this could have a massive impact on the North East if it isn't. This is why your uh, tickets when you travel abroad are so expensive, probably one of the most expensive in the world. This is put on when you buy your tickets. North Newcastle International Airport suffers from it, but because the new power's going to Scotland, they'll be allowed to either lower it or even abolish it. This could cost about 20% of the jobs at Newcastle Airport. There's 3,200 people uh, employed there. There was some hope of a mention of that during the budget, but it wasn't. However, the following day, it was left to David Cameron to come back and say, oh, we haven't forgotten about you, so here's a, here's, a little, here's a little sop to you. Yeah, there seems to be a few different issues, as you said, Mike. You know, the, what we took as, you know, the news outlet was some of the most important things were the things that the Chancellor didn't say rather than what he did say. Um, and do you have anything else on that? Well, yeah, the, the main thing about that was I, I was actually watching the budget and it was, as usual, very raucous, very loud, people waving their papers about. But there's, for a couple of seconds, there was a very brief silence when he announced that public spending was going to begin to grow again at the back end of the next parliament if they were elected. Now, there's, there was silence there because that was completely unexpected as people tried to figure out what that meant. That meant austerity is ending. Is he going to pull? This is going to be the biggest rabbit he's going to pull out with a hat. But then, of course, it comes out the next day that this would mean, this is according to the Office of Budget Responsibility, that in order to fulfil his pledges, because he didn't say how he's going to do it, the only way he could do it was to drastically public sector and that would make what we're going to uh, endure in the next two or three years seem like a, a slap around the face compared to what we've already suffered up to now so that was the biggest concern that's come out of this budget yeah that's, i would say worried. that's a real concern for northeast councils i mean it was said yesterday nick forbes the leader of newcastle city council um you know he, he knows and they are all expecting public spending and the budgets they're going to get from the government to to severely plummet to really nosedive and they talk already about the fact this government is taking us back to the 1930s in terms of public spending 
And certainly from the leaders in the North East, I think that's certainly what they expect to be on the horizon. Yeah, particularly if they did a bit of number crunching, they think in order to fulfil that commitment, he has to save an extra £12 billion. And where's that money going to come from? I mean, obviously public services, but how much fat is left on the public service? It's more like a skeleton now. So where is he going to find the cuts there? Well, definitely well, huge the theory is the, mon the money is going to come out of the NHS. I mean, that's what Ed Miliband said. They can't, they can't deliver on what they've promised. So actually, the NHS is not going to be as well protected as people think. Uh, it is extraordinary, NHS, before it was something that every government, no matter what its shoe, would always at least pay lip service to protecting. But in that budget, he didn't say a word. Mm. That was that was an extraordinary omission on his part. It, it was an omission at all. Yeah. He just chose to cut it loose. Yeah, and Huge obviously concern. this is this, it's uh, good news for uh, the North East, uh, whilst public spending might cut. The good news for the North East is that the oil and gas industry has been given 1.3 billion in tax cuts and support and there's obviously quite a few workers we have 65,000 who you know were fearing for the job cuts so he's given with one hand but seemingly taken with the other in that respect yeah i think so i think you know what he what he's announced for the oil and gas industry was was really important um i think other things people look favorably would be the uh, tax-free personal allowance and that that will go up to eleven thousand pounds yeah for uh, those who don't know kate could you kind of explain what that yeah is so bit? that's the amount that you can earn um before you have to pay income tax and so um since 2010 the amount you can earn ha has gone up and i think that's been a real Lib Dem mm. driver actually and um, that's a policy they should so really doing something on. then yeah they're actually doing something so well I think it depends we haven't seen much evidence it depends that. what your views are on tax but I think if you you know what does the budget mean to you does it mean I'm going to pay more to fill up my car with petrol um, what is my wage slip going to look like immediately you know there are a few things you can pick out from day-to-day -day life and I think the uh, tax-free personal allowance I think that's something that people do remember and they do think about and actually you know I'm not having I haven't been taxed as much and I think that kind of thing going up to an election sticks in people's minds it is a good idea but on the flip side it's for the northeast will benefit but a lot of people won't because we've got such low wages up here as has been identified this week yeah, yeah exactly to so even earn 11 yeah. more than 11,000 no, pounds in a year that's, that, that would be quite hard in many areas of this, of it's, this region it's a good issue to bring up Mike because actually you, have, you wrote this piece on um, Thursday or Wednesday I think it was because um, just prior to the budget announcement David Cameron was very keen to you know champion how the unemployment cuts and uh, unemployment's down to I believe uh, down from 9.2% in the northeast to 7.8% which is quite remarkable really however as you wrote wages have also gone down well going back to the unemployment figures yeah they've, they've come down 9.2% to 7.8% in the last quarter which is good but of course the northeast its figures far and away the highest in the country I think the the English average is 5.7% if my memory serves, serves me right uh, yeah he, he it's it was good news uh, the claimant count is down but again the claimant count is the highest highest in in the country so yeah but on the flip side of that as we approach the election coming into the, the spring where salaries are supposed to go up they actually came down they actually i think dropped by five percent a week and average salary five percent a week doesn't sound much when you say it like that but if you factor it in over the year you, you factor in uh, inflation i know it's low but it's still it's still uh, positive uh, it costs a lot of money and we all know we're all having to tighten our belts mm. uh, where are these extra does anybody 
know where these extra jobs are coming from is uh, are we looking at zero hour contracts do, do we know yeah where these jobs have come I from I do find the uh, the release of um, unemployment or employment figures generally bamboozling as a reporter like you have to sift through so much and it's always unclear isn't it yeah. I mean I think you'd agree when you analyse these figures it's, it leaves a lot of questions and <clears throat> for me it's always about yeah okay so you might have God, you might you might be in work, but you know, eight hours a week or whatever—that's not very sustainable. And also, we see all the time people having their shifts cancelled, zero hours contracts, the uncertainty around that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I think that in this region, that's still not really been addressed. I think people aren't in the right kind of jobs up here, even if they are working. And and you can tick a a, a sheet on a spreadsheet to say they are in work. We have found them a job, mm-hmm. but it's what kind of work they're doing. It is. It's there. There is. A, a bigger story that sadly I haven't got to be able to get to the bottom of yet. We, we look through the figures each month. It reveals what the latest unemployment figures, what the claimant count is, what the employment rates are. Now you'd think if unemployment is going down, it would there would be a, a balance between it and the employment figure. They never quite marry. The claimant counts astonishing drops, 30 odd percent I think in the last year. If you look at the numbers, you talk about thousands of people, but that isn't reflected in the amount of people who've got jobs. Who are these people? Where are they? I don't know if it's particularly uh, it's particular to the northeast, but we do seem to have an awful lot of people on low-paid jobs. The zero-hours contracts we talk about. Mm. Is there a black hole? These people are disappearing down. Yeah, George Osborne. One thing that struck me when he was talking on Wednesday was he said he's regulated these zero-hour contracts. I, I'm looking at it going. I haven't seen any evidence of this. Um, and another thing he said, which I thought was quite baffling, was about the child poverty rates. And, and Keith, I know yeah. you tweeted about this at the time. He, he said uh, child poverty is lower child po- poverty and to like all these different percentages yeah, as you so, said. Yeah, so you know from 2010 mm. the, the the stories we were doing were about was about child poverty increasing and um, <clears throat> I don't know where he's got that figure from that child poverty's gone down but from the research and from the charities that work in the northeast they wouldn't say that and I think the fact that 50% of children in biker live in child poverty whether the figures are going down or not that is absolutely unacceptable in the UK and I thought that was a really really uh, terrible part of the budget I just thought gosh I can't believe you would even bring that up as something mm. to champion it's not just this area you know the child poverty in parts of the UK goes up to 66 68% mm. in Newcastle you know in Elswick and in Biker they're some of the most they're some of the poorest places in the country so to say you know we are tackling child poverty and that things are going down I just think you know I just didn't think that was you know anything to you know write home about really it's 2015 and we've yeah. still got child poverty exactly. and we've still got homeless people exactly it's 2015 yeah so if it's not solved don't bring it up yeah 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 spot on I was going to say, it's extraordinary. You see, I still speak about child poverty, not just because it's 2015. We're talking about being in an economic recession, yet I think just this week the share price index went up to about its highest ever level. Um, I'm not a 100% expert on this, but surely that means this country is awash with money. So if that we're awash with money, taxes are being paid on it, so surely the country should be much better off. Sadly, it doesn't seem to be so, at least for the people who need the help the most. There was an interesting graph mm. which was published showing uh, who has been affected by the cuts most. And it was it was like a shape like Mount Everest. On the bottom of the left side was poor people who have been affected. I think they've lost about 
5% less well off than at the start of this government, then rocketed up the top of Mount Everest to the, the, the middle earners, then it actually, funnily enough, came down the high earners, they've lost about as much as the poor people. They can cope with that. Shockingly. Well, yeah, yeah. And that's something yeah. Cheryl Cole's been whinging about today. Yeah, Cheryl, Cheryl Cole <laughs> is, uh, I think... I think she, about the amount of tax she well, has to pay. I think, I think she's forgot her roots. She forgot where she's come from. She's living in a luxury apartment and she's saying, you know, she's moaning about the mansion tax. You know, beyond me, but people will make their own minds up because people, some people don't agree with the mansion tax. Um, speaking of housing, um, that was another thing that came out of the budget yeah. was the housing case. Um, yeah, this was really, really great news for Gateshead. So um, they've actually kept this really under wraps. They've, they've not shouted about this at all, but um, they've been working really hard over the last couple of years to come up with a new idea for a neighbourhood. So it sits at the southern end of the high street. It's called the Exemplar Neighbourhood, which is a real kind Pompous of... Pompous yeah, I mean, it's like looking for one. extremely full-on vision yeah. of how the future should be. But, um, the, you know, it's a model community, and what they're basing it on is living standards that are um, more often seen in continental Europe, and they want to make sure that people have family homes that are actually side by side with commercial activity. So it's rather than the suburbs idea, it's bringing people right into the middle of the town and to be near the economic basis. But this land, um, a bit of it's run down, some of it's old shops. Um, that, and, you know, so there's a lot of work to do. So the cash that the government is going to give them is to redevelop this site, clear it up from contamination. It's about getting brownfield sites back into How use. How much is it? About £10 million? No, they get... Well, we don't know for certain. All we do know at the moment is they get a share of the general pot, which is £200 million. Right. And Gateshead is the only place in the North East to get this. There's a couple of places in Yorkshire. But um, I thought that really stood out, actually. I mean, Gateshead Council's obviously done some really good work, and the government must be pretty keen to see yeah, this housing we, project. I happen. think we called them a surprise winner yeah. in the paper. Was this completely no, it unexpected? it was an absolute surprise because when I spoke to um, the council on the morning of the budget, I just said, you know, what are you what are you thinking for your exemplar neighbourhood? And they said, well, we've not heard a bean. <laughs> we've not heard anything <laughs> at all. Um, and we think that we've lost it, actually. We think mm. we've lost the money. We think we've been dropped from the, um, the core shortlist. And then later that night, they get a phone call from the government. So whichever, like, you know, government department that <laughs> Sounds was. Sounds a bit scary, It actually. did sound a little bit official, a call from the government. Um, and, yeah, th I think they were shocked, actually. Right, and so now from nothing, they're looking at up to 1,000 homes? Up to 1,000 homes. It'll be over a, a really long period of time. It could take 20 years, but the funding is in place to get it off the ground. And for Gateshead, I think that's really important. A lot of development's happened in the town centre, and this is another another phase in really changing how Gateshead is as a community. Cool. All right, so to finish off then, uh, we'll talk about where the speech has kind of positioned each party going into it. Um, obviously, we'll start. We'll start with the opposition. Start with Labour. Um, what did you What did you make of Mr. Miliband's rebuttal? He did well. He repeated claims that it was funny enough that it was a south centric budget, not much for the northeast. He had his usual pop at Cameron, the Bullingdon boy, etc. And with Osborne, he came back well. Um, he said that more should be done. He outlined the plans of Labour. Um, but overall, I think Cam um, Osborne did a good job for the Tories. As Kate said earlier, safe pair of hands. It, it was actually funny watching this, this speech as they were given. Uh, many of the policies, the popular policies, he's come with like raising the tax-free personal allowance and 
and obviously oh, the first time buyers ISA, we were just been talking about that, yeah. the DEM policies, but you would have been loath to find that out. Uh, at one stage, after being shouted at across the House by uh, Labour, what about the Lib Dems, funnily enough, they eventually said, yes, this coalition government headed by yeah. a Conservative Chancellor has come up with these plans. Uh, the, the whole, it's, it's, it didn't reflect well enough on the Lib Dems. I think they've got a bit of a kicking over the five years. Yeah. I think they have come up with some good ideas. I think, I think these two are specific ones. Well, if you if you look uh, look back to 2010, then um, from what I remember, it was apathy, dissatisfaction with the current government, the current Labour government under Brown, and the Lib Dems come along and really rocked the boat, and that's how we've ended up where we are now. The Lib Dems are struggling when it comes to voters, surely, Kate. I don't, I don't agree, to be honest. I think, um, you know, they are going to get a kicking, but I don't think we're going to see them absolutely wiped out. And, you know, from what I've heard, they're still expecting to get about 25 seats. Um, so that would be half what they have now. But I don't think that we've seen the end of the Lib Dems. And I think, you know, they're going to be there. They are going to be the party again that is... Um, fought over because it's it's perhaps likely they're going to form a coalition again and I think Lib Dems know that and I think you know Nick Clegg said that recently as well that essentially you will need us again <laughs> so um, I think right now actually I think Danny Alexander did a good job in getting some of that you know it's taken a day or two but I think he has hammered home which ones were the Lib Dem policies so I don't think they'll get a kicking but from from the budget I think um, yeah. Like I said, it's all theatre and it's drama, but I think George Osborne was convincing in that, in his performance, in that whole safe pair of hands mm. idea. I think, you know, well, you it's not overly convincing because you've just said that you still think it's going to be a hung parliament by when, when everything's said and done in May. Mm. So they kind of done that good of a convincing job, not only on Wednesday, but over the last five years. Oh, well, I mean, the financial situation this country faced just a, a catastrophic. I think they, to think they would, you know, sweep the board. Mm. I, I just don't think that's... I think it's interesting, in this, well, if you looked at the polls afterwards, it didn't make much of a dent on the polls at all. I think mm. I think Labour was still slightly ahead. Now, if you bear in mind, if you look on superficially the figures they produced about uh, the economy going up, jobs going up, wealth going up, uh, uh, the uh, tax breaks these introduced here, you'd have thought they've got some sort of bounce, but it, it kind of has remained steady. So it's interesting to see how yeah, they're still the they're public. not they're not the nasty mm. party. They're mm. not going they're at this I, at this point mm. in people's minds. I really don't think that mm. that that's what that's the, the that's what that's what people feel. Mm. And so we're talking about the Lib Dems losing losing around half the seats. Then who's going to take that? Who's going to fill the vacuum? Is that going to be Labour and Conservatives coming in? Or are we going to see the rise of a UKIP? A surprise party coming in from the sides? I think with UKIP, I mean, possibly it's possibly a seat or two in Yorkshire, possibly in the southeast. In the northeast, I don't know. It's There's some names, some constituencies mentioned. Yeah, there's Blythe some, is one. Yeah, South Shields, strangely enough. Uh, that, that's another one they seem to be targeting, even though they had not a fantastically safe majority, but but still in several thousands, but to get that first seat, it's extraordinarily difficult. Even though they're riding high in the polls, often that doesn't reflect into seats gained. I mean, ask the Lib Dems about that. Yeah. Um, so 
don't know. Some people have been writing about UKIP has their bubble burst because their popularity is slowly going down. Uh, the Conservatives are beginning to steal some of their clothes. Are people getting a bit tired of Farage and his antics? There's a scandal just this week about, they haven't explained why, but one of their candidates has, has had to step down because of... of who knows? Some I'd better leave it at that. Yeah. So I wouldn't like to go. I th yeah, but anyway, but stuff like that that seems to be occurring. Yeah, and and um, another party that people are talking about who might play a factor, a blight, a minimum one, mm. would is the Green Party. Now, given the industry up here in the northeast, there's no chance of the Green Party's no. even threatening, right? No. Not at all. And I thought their response to the budget and on that day was just dreadful, to be honest. I think, I, I thought, think, I yeah. mean, if you follow them on Twitter, it was just so unresponsive. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, what a what a great time. Because obviously every election you have these little, the smaller parties, shall we say, that can really do quite impressive things. We saw that with the Lib Dems, they had that huge surge. And the Greens, they could, they could really do so well mm. here because people are struggling to think, you know, if you're a traditional Labour voter, where, yeah. where am I to go next? But it just didn't happen. I think I think we all think to all people at the minute. They're, yeah. they're still essentially a, a yeah. protest group rather than a political group. Yeah, well, I, I think... With, I, with I, rounded policies yeah. that appeal... Yeah, I think with the Green Party, they need a new leader and they need a new PR manager, judging of what's gone on in the past few weeks and months. They were, they were you know, cooing over getting Jack Munro from the mm. Labour Party over to the Green Party on the day of the budget, or it was the next day. I just thought, wow, is that all we've mm. got to go at? Yeah, <laughs> nothing. Right, so I'm sure... Oh, one, one last question that we'll finish on. People keep talking about this is the most interesting election in recent memory. Do you, do you guys tend to agree with that? Because... I don't know. I'm kind of thinking I don't see a difference between this and 2010. As far as yeah, <laughs> I don't know. 20, 2010, I think we're all tired. I think uh, there was there was a lack of energy running up to that. Everyone was mm. kind of. Mm. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? The economy's broken. It's you. You're to blame. We don't care. It's a global economic crash. Yeah, you left us in this mess. Yeah. That kind yeah. of rhetoric, yeah. That was that was an angry election. I'm not sure what this one is. I, I would say this one is a more tired election. No, I would, I would say the contrary. I think what in the 2010 election, everyone were willing to give David Cameron the benefit of the doubt, along with the nasty party, as they tried <laughs> to, uh, as the sort of tag they tried to live down, but things are different now. There's a great deal of concern up here about who's going to get into the next election. It's very important. It's it's, it's it's so south-centric that it could have a lasting effects on this region's economy who gets into the next election. If I was to compare the, the character of the race, the feeling in the run-up to the election, I compare it to 1992, uh, John Major against Neil Kinnock, a very hard to call, uh, running neck and neck. I mean, I remember that. that was, they were neck and neck pulls right up to the final day. Mm -hmm. Uh, John Major, of course, eventually run. Will the Conservatives win this election? Will they get a Will they get a majority? I don't think so, but time will tell, of course. Can you see anyone getting an overall majority? I can't personally. No. No. <laughs> There's going to be some serious bargaining going on. Oh, and on that note, I think we best leave it there. Um, we'll be following the race very keenly, as always, in the paper and online. And we're going to start our um, the week in the news is going to start becoming a political uh, podcast very soon. So uh, we'll make sure to keep you updated on when that's happening. And from myself, Mike, and Kate, we'd just like to say thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon.